This is episode number 20 with Rebecca Roberts. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nagy, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and change makers, so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. Welcome back everyone to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm really excited to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a 30-day free trial membership. By signing up for free, you are going to receive your first free audiobook and two free Audible originals. Go to mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook and sign up for a 30-day free trial membership today. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook. That's A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O-K. Again, that's mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook. Get the free trial, the free audiobook, and two free Audible originals today. And now let's dive into the episode. My guest today is Rebecca Roberts, and in this episode, we talk about curiosity and why it is so important to cultivate in life and business. Curiosity is something that led me to where I am today, and in this episode, Rebecca and I share more about our transitioning journey from architecture to personal development and coaching, and how curiosity played a significant role. Rebecca also talks about how we can replace fear and overthinking with curiosity. On top of all that, we talk about the power of identity and how we can tap into our limitless human potential. And now a couple of words about today's guest. Rebecca is a coach, speaker, space maker, interior architect, and workplace culture strategist. Her career has focused on bringing simplicity and lightness to complex situations in order to spark forward momentum. Her background in workplace design and consulting provides unique insights into how the individual and collective mindset can either hinder growth or open the floodgates for meaningful action within teams and organizations. She has a heart for growing and deepening communities and bringing a unified vision for maximum impact. Rebecca now focuses her time and energy on inspiring culture transformation towards inclusive and conscious leadership. She works together with leaders on shaping their inner architecture, consciously constructing the inner space to create room for growth and ignite meaningful action. So without further ado, let's bring on today's guest. Hi, Rebecca, and welcome to the show. Hi, Tibor. How are you? Great. Thank you so much. Uh, It's really nice to connect with you, you know, because uh, one of the reasons uh, why I created this podcast is for, for this connection and uh, maybe more importantly, creating a space for co-creation. And I'm using this word very intentionally because we are going to talk about this today. And um, I'm using this word because uh, you used to be uh, an interior architect uh, turned inner architect. You're a coach, speaker, and space maker, which I like a lot. And we're going to cover really interesting topics today. But I would like to start with your story. So would you talk to us a little bit more about yourself and more importantly, your transitioning from 
interior architecture to inner architecture. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, that was a little bit how we bonded right over the background of design. Um, yeah. And, and that's, where, that's where I came from. So my background is in workplace workplace architecture, essentially, inner architecture. Um, and <laughs> essentially, what I found that I loved over the years was trying to figure out how to find a space that really matches the culture of a company. Um, and it was interesting to see the progression of that because where we came from was thinking, okay, I guess when I was younger in the design world, I was thinking, ah, yes, I can create a space that will allow this company to live out their culture in the way that they would like. And over doing thousands of interviews and workshops, and I start to recognize that actually the culture is what shapes the use of the space around. So I could actually create the most amazing space for a company But if they weren't also working on their culture, then it, it wasn't going to be full utilization of the potential. And over time, what I started recognizing was that's exactly what we do as individuals, just on a, a, on a smaller scale, is recognizing that we might have the perfect setup outside, or at least a great setup. We might have a job that allows us to feel safe and secure and, and put food on the table and a roof over our heads. We have a good relationship, you know, not perfect, but something that we feel safe and secure again and a partner that challenges us. And all of these different aspects, we've checked the boxes, but if we're not aware of our internal culture, the way that we're shaping Our, our structure, the, the lens that we're looking out through, it doesn't matter what the space looks like on the outside, how great the setup is, that we can always get stuck in not really recognizing what we have because our eyes aren't fully open. We're not fully, let's say, awake to, yeah, to what's going on inside of us and, and what the potential is that actually lies there. And so that's, that's a bit of the recognition that happened. And, and then from there, I tried to decide, okay, what do I want to do? Because I started bringing that knowledge into the design work. And more and more, I was falling in love with it. And so I decided, okay, so I'll either, you know, go back for a, co a coaching certification or a workplace psychology degree, something like this. And so I decided for the coaching, but I was always thinking that it would be more as a supplement to the design work. And mm -hmm. as I got in and I started working with individuals and with teams, I just fell in love with it. And I recognized that I could bring all of the creativity and mm -hmm. even in this way, transform it a little bit to life design in some way, help people yeah. not help them design a space for themselves, meaning themselves, but really shine the flashlight on what the possibilities are for them in their own lives. And that's what mm. I fell in love with. Yeah, it is, it is so, so, how to say, 
it's it's really a nice story and very close to to mine actually. I was more in architecture and engineering, so not interior architecture, but uh, I also had a conversation with someone else who were transitioning from from architecture and design and engineering to this space, and and it's really interesting how how it unfolds for people, especially you mentioned psychology, and these were the things I got interested in. Sometimes I can't even explain, but I just got curious. So we are going to talk about curiosity. And I was wondering, like, what were the things that you were very curious about at that time when you were transitioning or had this feeling of uh, changing your career path, so to speak? (laughs) Really good question. (laughs) Really good question. And I love that word curiosity because I think think quite often it is – the spark point for massive discovery. Um, and for me, it was that as well, because what we were doing, it was at the time when, for example, open space was just coming, um, you know, and, and we're sitting here hearing all of the benefits of, yes, the open space office. Yeah. <laughs> and but it was raising a lot of questions at the same time, which I'm, I'm sure anyone who's, worked in an open space office or has heard about this from a friend or a colleague that it it doesn't just bring this oh yes it's perfect with no flaws it mm-hmm. brought up a lot of other questions of well some people really liked it some people it was like the worst thing that they could possibly imagine and i started to again get curious because I was just thinking, look, it can't be that there's a one solution fits all for every company. Every company can't just use one type of design. And there are things that we learn and we try out and we implement. And that's, I guess that's the sister to curiosity is experimentation. Um, Mm -hmm. Because curiosity by itself allows an openness of the heart to be able to say, okay, you know, I I have this natural pull, let me bring my mind along with it (laughs) and go and explore. But then this ability to say, look, I'm, I'm treading in new territory. I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly how this will work. So I have to give myself room to experiment and ultimately room to take a few risks and room to be okay with quote unquote failure. Um, as long as I recognize that nothing is actually failure because I'm learning from it. And so that was what was happening a lot in the design world at that time, which made me start thinking about the psychology aspect was Mm. each of us interacts so differently with the space around us as an individual. And, you know, then, then, then it just brought up so many curiosity questions of, well, where else does that go? That that also deals with relationships and it deals with, I mean, you mentioned something, the community and the connection. The fact that we're hardwired for this community and connection, but it's also one piece. We're also hardwired to try and understand ourselves in a way. <laughs> and for some, that's really scary because it's going, no, 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 no. The outside world, I can I can try and deal with that. But this very few of us are actually just taught the skills for how to turn inwards and look a little bit at our culture. It's much easier to play with the tangible things on the outside to say, oh yeah, I find a new job or, you know, oh yeah, I redecorate my space versus Mm -hmm. 
what would truly fulfill me in this moment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really, really true. And talking about curiosity, like what do you think why is this really important to to focus on focus on this? Well, I think it also ties in a bit with like where our natural drivers are. Like there are things that I will be curious about that won't interest you at all. And vice versa, certain things that you go, oh my gosh, that just lights me up. That makes me so excited. And I'm going, really? That's fascinating. I don't care about that at all. And I think it's important to follow your curiosities because this is something that also shows where we naturally have increased energy for the work that we're doing. I mean, especially as we're talking about entrepreneurial activity. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work. <laughs> and yeah, I know there's the little giggle, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean, I, I think we, we often add a lot more work to our plates whenever we have this idea of all of the have tos and the shoulds that people are telling me, ah, yeah, you should, you know, have a funnel, you should you know, be marketing everywhere and all of this kind of stuff. And, but inside of me, mm. I recognize, wow, I have zero curiosity about learning that. But when it comes to videos, huh, mm-hmm. I have a natural curiosity to understanding how that works and how we yeah. interact with them. And because I resonate a lot with them from other people, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. So, for example, with my own story, I got very caught up in all of the things that people were saying you just have to do to do successful business. Yeah. And it sucked the life energy out of me because I had zero curiosity behind so much of it. Now, it's not to say that there aren't certain things inside of the entrepreneurial world. Whenever you decide that you want to be your own business manager, finances and bookkeeping is never going to be something that I go, yay, I'm so <laughs> curious about. No? <laughs> no, no. But it's amazing that there are people that love this, right? Yeah, there are people that yeah, for them yeah. putting the puzzle together. Crazy, huh? <laughs> yeah. For me, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the beauty of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but I can recognize that whenever I understand you know, the purpose for why I'm doing this, because I love, I'm very similar with you in that I love creating that community and connection, not only within the individual to help them connect back to themselves, but then also for how they can plug back. Because the inner architecture is not just how do I be with myself? It's how do I understand myself and my interior structure and the structure that I choose to build for myself in relation to the world around me? Mm. And this is where that curiosity is so important because when I start to understand myself more, I go, okay, I'm not going to be the funnel type. Good. Fine. And maybe someday that curiosity opens up totally fine. I allow myself to not be stuck in the, well, because I didn't like it a year ago, I can't like it now. No, it's an awareness that when the curiosity arises, be willing to follow it, at least Mm. be willing to explore it and see, because there are things that 
I, I have a I have a dear friend actually who who does a podcast, but she does it in coffee shops with female hmm. entrepreneurs. And the way wow. that came about was she recognized she loves having coffee with these cool women friends that she has. And at some point in time, somebody goes, why don't you start recording these? These are kind of interesting conversations, right? But wow. the natural curiosity is to ask people questions and to have time in cool coffee shops. And, and so just literally looking at the things that sometimes for us come so naturally, the curiosity rises so naturally that mm. sometimes it's worth taking just a moment to reflect and go, okay, well, is there a way that I can play with this, that I can integrate this into, you know, what I'm wanting to do? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think it is so important. And actually, in the introduction episode of this podcast, I talk about this because curiosity actually led me to this to this show. So this was one of the reasons I started this. Mm. Um, and I think my transitioning was because of the lack of curiosity. So I was working in Germany as an architect and I was lacking curiosity. I was missing it. So I was not really interested or curious about anything. Uh, because uh, it was very technical, so I landed in a very technical field. Mm. But I was missing this. Like I felt that I am interested in different things. And the way I got into this world of personal development was that I thought, wow, this is a world that it never ends. So I can explore okay. it for the for the rest of my life, but I'm not going to uh, you know, get to the end of it. And that was the beauty of it. I was like, this is the the place where I will find curiosity for the rest of my life, right? Mm -hmm. This is how I felt. And this is how I started this podcast. Also because of the connection and, and teaching and inspiring others. But because of this curiosity, I wanted to learn. I wanted to, to know more and, and co-create. And you mentioned community and connection. I think it's really, really important. And I love this concept of uh, community and and connection and co-creation, also teamwork. Yeah. I, for example, realized that I'm 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 much much more a team uh, team type. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to say. Yeah. And you know, I wanted to ask you about. I mean, people are listening to this, and uh, and you know, they want to take away something something from this experience. Like, what advice would you give to these people who are? in a transitioning phase or how to follow this curiosity, how to cultivate it. Because sometimes it's, it's just a voice deep inside and we say, you know, this is not something that I should listen to because I can explain to myself this is uh, not realistic or something like that because I have a job and it's more secure or whatever the reason is. Uh, sometimes it's just a voice. So how can someone cultivate this or follow this? curiosity love that um actually as you were just talking <laughs> mm. i was thinking of the old adage of um do you remember i don't know if if you guys had this but when when we were kids we were taught in school if ever we caught on fire to stop drop and roll like it was it was like okay stop what you're doing drop to the ground and then roll around and that would help put out the fire um, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you're like we don't do that here. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, in in the states, uh -huh. in the states, that's something. But as you were talking, I was just thinking about this because 
there are times mm -hmm. when, when we feel a certain urgency, like let's say I can, I, I've seen this with plenty of the, the folks that I work with that are in process of transitioning or mm -hmm. desire to transition from being inside yeah. the corporate world to mm -hmm. either another job or to start doing something on their own. And specifically in this, there's often this kind of anxiousness or the, I need to push through as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. So I was just feeling like it's this piece of, okay, stop, take a little bit of space. Um, because there are times when we start spinning the wheels really fast and we might end up spinning them in, in using up a lot of energy that's actually really unnecessary <laughs> mm -hmm. because we yeah, have yeah. This, this desire to start moving. So we just start with activity instead of meaningful action. Mm -hmm. um, so stop, create a little bit of space. And then that drop part felt like drop into yourself, meaning, okay, take a little bit of time to reflect whether that's what are the places that naturally give me energy Right. So it, it's getting curious about this. Why is that? Why is it that whenever I sit down and I start having a conversation with people, like I feel totally energized or that I start working with, you know, certain program and I feel like, wow, I could just learn everything about this. Mm -hmm. What is it about that? And, and then to really carve out that time to reflect It doesn't have to be massive amounts of time, but to ask yourself, why is it? I mean, the question why is often super interesting to explore because a lot of times we'll say, I like to ride my bike. Well, why? Mm -hmm. uh, well, because, <laughs> be uh, because it's fun. Well, no, why? Well, because actually it gives me a sense of freedom. I feel like I'm still connected to the space more so than whenever I'm in a bus or in a tram, but I can move more quickly. So I feel like, you know, there's an efficiency aspect to it that goes along with that. And it makes me feel alive. You go, Oh, mm -hmm. wow. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Glad I did. So then I've just learned that two big factors that I enjoy are freedom and feeling engaged and alive. Yeah. I, I wanted to reflect on, on why, because um, some people might be wondering Uh, sometimes I also ask this question from from people in coaching, and uh, they don't know why. <laughs> so, um, and and this is for um, yeah, uh, getting clear on the the values. Yeah. So, what's what's the value behind that riding the bike or or something? And when you get clear or aware of those values, you can use them more consciously or you know uh, in your life or, or become more conscious. I, I actually wanted to ask you about this, like. What do you think? Why is this really important to to get aware of these values? Is it because of yeah? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's because of the fact that these are these are our call them our north stars. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They're not things that dictate. They don't, they don't dictate where we have to go. They say that these are things where naturally you have a pull towards, I mean, some people might have a real pull towards loyalty, but then they also have a pull towards freedom. Well, it's about knowing those values, but not setting them up as rules. Because let's take those two, for example, and let's say you're inside of a company that you've been in for a long time. They've treated you well. 
but mm -hmm. you feel a pull towards exploring something for yourself. Guaranteed, if somebody has these two values of loyalty and freedom, those two are going to be in conflict in that moment. Because they feel, and it doesn't mean that either one of them is invalid, but it means that the situation brings out specific things. Because right now they feel loyal to the company and to the fact that, you know, they've never been mistreated. But at the same time, there's, there's this pull for freedom. And this is where I think it's important that we start to recognize that all of our values also apply in more ways than we would think, because in this case, it's about, can I choose to also be loyal to my values and the way that I feel? Can I be loyal to myself in this way? Yeah. And, and so recognizing your values, for me, it's really not about setting hard and fast rules, um, but it's just, yeah, those little guiding, guiding lights that when you're in a situation and you're struggling, you say, okay, I could use a little bit of support from something that's not so emotional. Because in those situations, life, life inspires a lot of emotion within us. <laughs> and we yeah. come back to those values and say like, okay, how can I be gentle with myself and explore what I'm actually feeling? Wow, that's that's really really great. And uh, we were talking about curiosity, and you actually were explaining some tips what someone can do to to cultivate it. You mentioned time to reflect. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned why, which which leads to values. Is there anything else someone can can do to to focus on this? Well, I think it just to wrap up those two things that mm -hmm. when I was saying the stop, drop and roll, the roll thing yeah. is actually when you see something, when you see those curiosities, move with it. There's a there's a, a high tendency to try and overthink things or try and plan everything out. And mm. there's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with preparation. But very often, preparation can show up as a very sneaky form of resistance to actually starting to move. Because we have this idea, I need to have the whole plan figured out before I jump in. No, mm -hmm. you need to have the next step figured out. That's it. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, especially for those that are trying to make the transition from the corporate world to an entrepreneurial setting, um, mm -hmm. there's this idea, oh gosh, you know, I see people and they just quit their jobs and start something new. Well, that's one way to do it, but there are, a, there are as many ways to do it as there are human beings that exist on the earth. You know, yeah. some will say, no, you know what? I just, for me, that's not my style. If I have the desire to open up a shop or, or start working with people, then maybe I start doing that in the evenings, or I get a part-time job on the weekend to see if I actually even like being in a shop. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be about little steps or I sit down and interview somebody. I just ask somebody if they'd meet me for a coffee, who's doing what I think I would like, because I've also seen that before where somebody says, I just dove straight in. And I realized after a couple of months that actually this is not what I thought it was. Wow. 
Um, and so yeah. take it slow if you feel like that's your thing to dive in if it's yours, but but to start moving, to use your mind not as a crutch to hold you back, to think I have to plan everything out, but start rolling with it just step by step. Have that first conversation. Do that first meeting with somebody to just experiment and explore. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, San, and I think that that is why it's really important to to focus on those values and 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 things that you are curious about and you you really want to do because you can do different things and 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 um, how to say satisfying those values in different mm. activities. So you can do podcasting if you want to connect with people. You can do workshops. You can do retreats. Um, of course. Yeah, so different things where you can, you know, have this uh, connection, for example, as a, as a value or something like that. So I think it's really important that uh, people focus on those things instead of trying to fit themselves into some kind of a box. Like I want to become, I don't know, a lawyer because I see that lawyers earn much or something like that, you know, and they start to become lawyers and they find out that this is not what they wanted. And so instead of trying to fit into some kind of a box, focusing on your own inner architecture and space and, and the things that you were talking about, it's, it's really, really great. And I wanted to ask you about identity as well, because as I was transitioning, and I believe that uh, mainly because of the coaching aspect of it, I believe that identity is the highest level. So if someone believes that, you know, they they are a successful business owner or entrepreneur or whatever it can be, uh, this is something that helps you follow through on your dreams. And actually, Tony Robbins had this quote. I, I really love it. Human beings absolutely follow through on who they believe they are, and it, it's connected to the identity. So I actually... Uh, you know, um, face difficulties on this level because I used to be an architect mm. and I was in this transitioning. So, you know, am I an architect? Am I a coach? Who am I? So we have different identities, right? I'm a son, I'm a partner, I'm whatever I am. And, and this is a really powerful statement, expression, I am. So whatever you put behind I am, it's it's really just imagine you say, I'm a successful entrepreneur and you believe it. So it's very much connected to belief systems as well. Mm. You believe that you are this person. And if you really believe, then you will follow through. So did you face any difficulties on this level? If yes, what was that? What what advice would you give to people? Oh, totally. <laughs> 100%. Because I went Welcome in the club. <laughs> Of, of identity crisis of entrepreneurs. <laughs> I am Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Yes, exactly. Totally. Um, but but this is how it is. So it's you know uh, I think uh, there's a book I haven't read that the obstacle is the way, and this is this can be one of the one of the thing, and I think it's very normal. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. So you know because people are transitioning from different parts. Yeah. Uh, from different careers and yes it's just a coaching level or aspect of it but yeah please share <laughs> so, i love that you asked this question because i think it is such a big one and it's big on two different levels like when we're talking about the self-development aspect 
Um, mm -hmm. and, and we're looking specifically at identity. You said, you know, what follows the I am is really interesting and important. Mm, yeah. As well, and recognizing, though, that the I am also stands alone. I am also mm. without that identity. So can I hold the paradox of both of these things? And this is where I struggled because when I, I didn't recognize the power of the I am alone, that I exist, period. Mm -hmm. And so what I was doing is whenever all of these things were being stripped away after the I am, I am the interior designer. I am the workplace consultant. I am, you know, mm -hmm. the, the person that everybody likes to talk to at a party because they go, oh, she's in design. That's so fancy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. When all of those were what I felt stripped away, which wasn't actually the case, but I was having to kind of loosen up my grip on them and loosen my level of identification with them. Then mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I started questioning, well, who am I without all of these things? Well, just because I stopped being an interior designer doesn't mean that I stopped being creative and able to consult and work on all of these things. I was just choosing to loosen that identification And mm -hmm. whenever I think about identity, I think about this like detached involvement with my identifications that it's almost like I have a lot of hats in front of me and I can choose to put on whatever hat I want. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, I know that I am not the hat, but the hat is supporting me in this way. For example, whenever I put on my coaching hat, mm -hmm. I stand and I fully believe that I'm working with somebody for their benefit, that I try and remove myself completely from the process and be this, like this funnel for whatever the universe needs to share with that person. So stepping back and not being like, oh, no, I'm the coach. I need to give them the right advice and the right things. And, oh, gosh, what if they leave and they feel like they didn't get anything from it? It's like, okay, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in this identification, but I am not that. I exist behind that. And whenever we can start to have that loose identification with all of the roles, that's when we start to recognize, okay, what are, what are the things that are true for me? And this is where that Tony Robbins quote is so important. Mm -hmm. What do I believe myself to be? Well, in this case, what I believe myself to be is I don't have to be attached to an identity to be able to be a full service in whatever is needed in that moment. Wow. Beautiful is said. And you know, I'm a fan of Dr. Wayne Dyer, and he talks about this that um, the six rules that the ego teaches us. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I share this in, in, in other episodes, but I want to share this. Yeah, please. Uh, uh, so, Dr. Wayne Dyer says, Yeah, six rules that the ego teaches us. And first is, I am what I have, mm. I am what I do, I am what I accomplish. This was the second. The third one is, I am what other people think of me. I am my reputation. Uh, number four, who I am is separate from everyone else. 
And then number five, I'm separate not only from everyone else, but I am separate from what's missing in my life. Mm -hmm. And number six is who am I is separate from God. Mm. And he talks about this, uh, and you said it so beautiful, like I exist and I am what I have. If I think that I am what I have, when I don't have that thing, Mm. you know, I I stop existing, right? So I am not anymore. Or if I am what I do, if I don't, you know, you aren't anymore. So it's it's really, really interesting. And, you know, we personal development junkies, we can (laughs) talk about this. And I don't think this is very common that people think about, okay, um, if I stop you know, working as an architect, who I am. So it's, it's, it's a really, really interesting question. So what I actually want for people to understand from this is that you are not what you do and you are not what you have. And the most important thing that you can do is to, to accept this existence without anything external in your world, right? Mm. And, and just being who you are uh, with your values and and focusing on that. And actually this leads to um, a topic which I'm really interested in, human potential, Mm. right? Yes. Because, um, uh, and and also Dr. Wayne Dyer talks about a lot, uh, talks a lot about self-actualization and when we want to be more and more as a person in our lives and it's connected to human potential. Mm. And I was wondering like... um, what do you think about this topic, human potential? Yeah. I love it. I love it because it touches on so many aspects of, it's a, you're right, it's a beautiful feed-in from identification because we are, we have so much potential. And there are times when, you know, sometimes, especially in the self-development areas and and the spiritual aspect of things, a lot of times people will say, we are completely unlimited beings. Well, Mm. true, 100%. Um, But it's not necessarily true in all of the levels. So, for example, in the fact that we are all working in this space together, you know, we, the illusion of separation, but truly all of us are working together in some ways, even if we don't truly understand or know it, because we're all part of this big ecosystem, if you will. Mm-hmm. But then it's really yeah. funny to recognize the, the identifications that we have to our self-made chains, I'll say, Mm -hmm. because the chains are what keeps us from unleashing our human potential that's specific to us. Because while, you know, while I believe time is one of these things that time is actually relative, our our clocks are based on time here on earth. But Mm -hmm. time is not definite because, you know, we know that it exists differently elsewhere out in space, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not a universal truth. It's an earth truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but so whenever we start looking at those kinds of things, yes, we're completely unlimited, but here we're bound in some ways by the little humanness of us, by our resources, like time and amount of energy and the hours in a day that we have to focus on different things. And when we start looking at the potential that we have in this space, 
I think that a lot of times our minds put chains back to old systems that we had that worked for us in the past. Meaning, you know, ah, yeah, there, there are certain beliefs that I have about who I am. For example, I used to believe, yeah, well, I'm the designer and mm -hmm. I need to be creative all the time. And when I'm not, oh gosh, then I'm not living up to my potential. Mm -hmm. And so I would have these fears, like if I'm sitting in a meeting and I'm kind of blocked, I'm thinking, oh gosh, they're all looking at me. They think I'm crazy. I'm not worth you know, the, the money that they're paying me, all of this stuff starts to come in. And how much do you think that that's actually supportive of the creative process? Hmm. Yeah. Those yeah. thoughts, not at all. Yeah. But so then whenever I start to recognize, wow, that's a really intense chain that I've got chained to, this is how I view I should be as a creative person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I start to recognize that I've made that perception, and it's been, of course, bolstered and, you know, built up by society as well. But to recognize that at some point in time, those chains served us. The, I need to be the life of the party. I need to, you know, be constantly productive. That whenever I just start to release and, and surrender into the thing mm. that Dyer was talking about with those six, was it the six rules of the ego? Yeah. Six rules that the, yeah. Um, you know, like whenever I start to release those things, then all of a sudden this is, this is bringing curiosity back in all of a sudden I'm not bound by the boxes that I've put myself in. Mm -hmm. I heard to say, well, yeah, I'm a creative, but I'm also quite logical and I can explore into that. Or normally I find myself drawn to this, but right now I, I'm over here and we are paradoxes. Like human beings are walking paradoxes. And by paradox, I mean two or more things that mentally seemingly don't go together, but they're existing. We want safety and security and we want novelty. We want, yeah. you know, the wild ride and we want, you know, the, sa the safety seatbelt and nothing's going to happen. We want to go explore and we want to be feeling like we're at home. All of these things exist within us. And when we stop trying to grasp at them, then a lot of times we open the room for massive potential that's been locked up in these ideas of, no, I can't do that because that's not who I am. Well, mm. who says who you are other than you? You're the one that gets to decide. And the more that we take on that piece of self-responsibility of you can chalk it up to the things that your parents made you do and the way that society is and the way that the government is, to be honest, they're all excuses that we use to try and get around living up to our full potential. Wow, it's so beautiful. And you mentioned fear, uh, also um, curiosity again, and uh, this is a really great topic. And I think on your website, you mentioned replacing fear uh, with love and curiosity. So I wanted to tap into fear a little bit. Like if someone is facing fear, for example, in, in such a, a transitioning phase in their lives, like uh, curiosity is then something 
that they can focus on instead of the fear so they can move on or totally totally and yeah. sometimes it's about getting curious about the fear mm. <laughs> so about the, okay so about the fear yeah because if you think about it we've i mean if you listen to the dialogue that most people have around fear fight your fear battle your fear overcome your fear it's all oh, yeah. combative right it's all waging yeah. war on fear well I kind of have a life view that we weren't given anything that the only purpose of it is to be thrown away. Like, I don't believe that the universe or God said like, I'm going to give you this extra thing. It's totally worthless. And you just have to throw it away. So true. Yeah. Here's <laughs> yeah. a beautiful purpose and it can be an invaluable tool to, first of all, see where a lot of your energy is and where a lot of your energy is tied up. Like, let's say I have a massive fear about sharing who I am openly with, like maybe it's on stage or maybe it's in a workshop, you know? Maybe I have some fears that if people really know who I am, they won't like me. They'll reject me. Mm. Mm. Well, that's a massive fear, right? Because it also ties back to a very fundamental human aspect of belonging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I wanted to say connection and belonging. Yes. Is. Connection is belonging in some ways that yeah, are intimately yeah. tied together. Hmm. Because if I share who I am and you reject me, that means I'm out. And being outside of the tribe you know, on a very human fundamental level is, is potential death, right? Because yes, if I don't yes. have the support of the tribe. If I'm just left out in the desert by myself, not good. Yeah. And, yeah. and so naturally that's something. And so, but whenever I look at my fear and I start to get curious and I start to recognize, wow, it's that I want so badly to belong that I'm willing to, I mean, this was one of my stories. I want so badly to be loved and accepted that I'm willing, I, I learned how to be an amazing chameleon. I learned how to figure out what somebody needed and wanted, at least what I thought, what I perceived, and then try and be that for them. But what I recognized was that actually it was something very clear that came up in, in high school and university time was people would, would love to come to me and, and we would talk about all sorts of things. But when something really bad happened in their lives, I wasn't the one that they went to talk to. And I thought, huh, why is that? And it hurt me a lot until I recognized, wow, you, whether it's on a conscious or subconscious level, they don't trust me mm -hmm. because nobody can be as perfect as I was. Nobody could be as agreeable all the time. Every one of us has our rough edges. And if we're speaking our full truth or as full as we know at the moment, it's not going to resonate with everyone because thank goodness we all have different ideas of the way that life should work. And that's what makes this such a beautiful dynamic life. Yeah. Yeah. But those are those places where we go, wow. So whenever I started to look at that fear behind it, why do I feel the need to be a chameleon? Well, 
on one hand, I'm saying I want people to love and accept me for exactly who I am, but I am refusing to show them exactly who I am. That's a massive conflict inside of me, and it was causing huge fear. And so I started yeah. to explore that. But when I got curious with a lot of love in a very safe environment, I didn't just start telling everybody what I thought all of a sudden. To be honest, I didn't really even know anymore. I turned the volume down so much on what I thought. I'd just gotten so good at reading other people that I didn't even know what I thought anymore. Hmm. And so that's what I, I had to approach that fear with some very close friends and say, hey, can I practice being honest with you? Can I practice sharing what I really feel and think, knowing that it might cause conflict and discomfort and frustration? But these are also, like I said, nothing was meant to be thrown away. These also serve a purpose because friction, you know, like Rumi talks about, you know, how do you expect to be polished without a little bit of friction? This is how we grow. There's friction. I mean, the good times in life are beautiful, but the difficult times is when I look back and I recognized I did the most growth in my life during those really tough times. I cannot agree more. Uh, it's, it's really true. Like these are the, the growth and the fuel uh, or how you said, uh, I'm not sure if you said fuel, but yeah, fear is a perfect as a energy or. So how, how can someone use this? Like, they get curious about the fear and then uh, <laughs> use it as a fuel. Like, so I have a fear and I go that direction or, or is it, is it about this? Well, that's why I think the curiosity is important. Yeah. Like, for example, if I say I have a fear of bungee jumping, mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily need to go bungee jump. But when I start asking myself and I get curious, why is that, you know, maybe it's a natural fear of, you know, I, I don't feel like putting my body in that kind of harm, the, the way of potential harm for, for just a kick and a thrill. Now, some might say, actually, that's exactly what it is. Yes. And this is why we're all diverse. But maybe I say, actually, it makes me step outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So where else am I not stepping outside of my comfort zone? Or maybe it's a friend that has said, yeah, let's go bungee jumping. And I want so badly to impress that friend that I'm actually considering doing something that is against my values or against my internal drive simply mm -hmm. because I want to be liked and admired. Wow. You know, so it's yeah. all pain. It's never a cut and dry. And that's why curiosity is important because curiosity says, I don't assume that I already have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I know, I know from experience that my internal knowledge is less than a grain of sand on the entire universe, right? And then I can revel in that and say, actually, instead of making that make me feel small and insignificant, instead I go, wow, how awesome is that, that there is so much to learn. Exactly like you said at the beginning, right? This field of self-discovery is unlimited. You can never get bored. You can decide to stop doing it if you want, 
at no point in time is there this limit of going, wow, there's, there's just nothing else. I figured it all out. I'm done. I'm cooked. No, put me on the table. Um, and, and that's why with, with fear, it's to recognize we've, we've often put it so far back in our minds even whenever it's like right in front of our faces, we we're afraid to look at what it actually is. And it stays in this world of ambiguity, the ambiguous fear, because we haven't actually taken the time to look at what is really the root cause. And a lot of times that root cause is also showing up, not just for the bungee jump, but it's showing up in our work, in our friendships, in our intimate relationships and also in the way that we deal with looking at ourselves. Mm. And so that's wow. what I mean by looking at fear, you know, as a as a support tool. Yeah. Not necessarily saying it's what you have to do, go into it full force, but what is it trying to teach you? What have you been ignoring? Because fear is like a little kid, you know? The first few times it'll tug on your shirt and say like, "Hey, hey." <laughs> if you keep ignoring it, it turns into the screaming tantrum two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a really great uh, metaphor <laughs> for fear. And uh, yeah, curiosity is, is it's, it's a huge topic. And um, I wanted to tell you that curiosity, it drives me or it helps me which topics to, to cover in, in, the, in the episodes, in the podcast. This is one of my one of my drives, and it's it's beautiful. Yeah. So I usually ask myself, what am I curious about? What am I most curious about? What would I like to learn? What would I like to teach people? Mm. And and those are the topics that I I, I choose. For example, um, last week I had someone <clears throat> with the topic of flow. I haven't really focused on flow before. But I actually just started through Stephen Cutler, through Mindvalley. Yes. And uh, because of human performance as well, I was interested in that topic or curious about that because of human potential and, and such. This is a discovery, right? And, and this is that never ends. And this is what I want. So <laughs> yeah. choose something from curiosity. I, I really love it. And um, yeah, we are coming to the end of this conversation. Yeah, so time flies. <laughs> When you're having a good time, huh? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, they were really great topics. And I wanted to ask you about books that you read, that you've read recently uh, that transform your life in some ways, business mindset, psychology books uh, for people, for the listeners to yeah, recommend. Yeah. Totally. Um, actually, you were talking about Steve Kotler. Stealing Fire is a brilliant one. Like, I find that oh, super I don't have that one. Him and Jamie Wheel. Um, it, it's, it's, it's talking about flow, right? The entire book mm. is about flow. And it's really beautifully written because it's all stories. It's story-based on all of these different examples. But it sparks curiosity massively. Like, um, as I was reading through it, I was just going, oh, and then, oh, that would be interesting to look at. And, and so books that spark my curiosity really make me excited. Um, <laughs> another one wow. that I absolutely love is by Stephen Pressfield. It's The War of Art. Um, and this, I feel, is an amazing book for entrepreneurs because the entire book, and just to, as a little side note, this is not The Art of War, 
which is an ancient book that it's also, I'm sure, lovely. But this is The War of Art. Uh, um, <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Yeah, because the other book is quite famous. Art of uh, War. The Art of War. Um, but it's not that. We're talking about the Art of War. We're talking about The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And this mm-hmm. is all about resistance for the creative entrepreneur. <laughs> wow. And... It is so beautifully written. It's written just in little snippets and segments. Um, I've listened to the book and read the book, and I reread it constantly because it talks about resistance as the thing that blocks us from full expression and from that curiosity and the fear that comes up whenever we're about to step into something new. It's just, it's really one of my absolute all-time favorites, and I would recommend it to every entrepreneur. Wow, and sounds great. All sorts of people. Yeah. Um, there are a few. There are a few others, like um, "Conscious Language" by Robert Tennyson Stevens, that it talks about the power of the language that we speak. Um, and the place that this book hit me the most, like I was taking notes constantly. I think I took snapshots of wow. every page almost. Really. Um, <laughs> And I was like, I could just reread the book. I think that would be better, right? Instead of taking a picture of everything. But talking about, especially for me, it resonated the language that I use with myself. Mm. And like the, the, the thing that hit me the most in this was want versus choose. And I always thought like, I want means a good something, but I recognized when I say, I want to trust myself, this was my phrase. I want to trust myself um, actually implies that I don't. And I am looking for something that I don't have, but I choose to trust myself is implied that I have the responsibility for that. And I have the potential for that inherent. So that's another one that I just, absolutely loved because it shifted the way that I was speaking to myself. That's a really great example. Uh, language actually is a, is a huge topic for me because I, I do what I do in English and English is not my, uh, you know, mother language. And uh, it's really interesting <laughs> sometimes how I talk to myself out loud or, or in my head, sometimes in Hungarian, sometimes in English. I don't use German that much anymore, but I used to work as an architect in German. So I, I was working in German, which was, yeah, <laughs> a journey <laughs> with that. Totally understandable. <laughs> totally understandable. Yeah. yeah. You know, those uh, technical words and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and before I ask my last question, I wanted to ask you, um, tell the listeners where they can get in touch with you online or find out more about your services and the thing that you do. Sure. I, I think the best way is, is through the website, um, Rebecca Roberts.com R E B E C C A R O B E R T S. Um, but, but probably my favorite thing is, is through YouTube channel, which is where essentially I put on little online journals of trying, keeping them super short, like two to five minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. what's coming up 
in my field, in the field of the clients and the teams that I'm working with at the moment. Um, and it's just little happy tidbits. So, but you can also find that on, on the website. So I would say the website is probably the easiest way to just mm -hmm. one-stop shop. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And I, I really liked uh, your videos on YouTube. Uh, these links are going to be in the show notes. So people are going to find this. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge you uh, because uh, I really like those videos. So, so I know that you, you've done a speaking event, right? Or training. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, the storytelling part and everything is just, just so professional to me. Yeah. And uh, my last question is, uh, what is your mission and, and what is the legacy that you want to live in the world? I think when it comes down to it, it's... The recognition of the simplicity of the beauty of this life, that it's that often we make things very complicated um, and not to say that the world isn't beautifully complex, it is, but to tap back into the simplicity of what if the purpose of life is to exist and to be in connection and community with ourselves and with others. And that's really fundamentally where I see so much of, of this life being about. I think, you know, it's beautiful to understand purpose and, um, you know, what is my mission and what is my life goals? All of this is beautiful stuff. But when it comes down to it, the purpose of life is to live. Mm -hmm. Live as beautifully and fully in full expression as we can in each moment. And, and so that's really all of the work that I do, the speaking, the facilitating, the, the coaching, the, even the storytelling. How do I take what's inside and express it outward? Um, all of this is about exactly that, is understanding who we are and connecting to this beautiful world. Yeah, it's beautiful said. I really love it. And actually, I just bought a book. It's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. I don't know if you've read, the, read this book. <laughs> so there's one thing that uh, I wanted to mention. I wish I, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. So Connection reminded me, mm. actually, uh, one of these chapters, which is one of the most important things, right? So... Yeah, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was so nice. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation, so please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show and don't forget to subscribe as well. For more information about Mindset Horizon, simply visit our website MindsetHorizon.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Leave us a message. We'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be limitless, my friends.